All right, let's go. Okay, so um, wow, uh, I got her, y'all. Finally, I got her. Hey, you just don't understand <laughs> what it took. But I was patient. <laughs> I was prayerful. I got her here. <laughs> um, Joe, uh, aka Jolie Artist. Um, why, um, I'm like a little kid, so please forgive me. Um, man, sis, you are, you are well, well, beyond well learned. I don't, I, I can't even, the words don't even describe, um, your content. And, um, so please introduce yourself to, to the people by all means. All right. Well, hi, I'm Joe, Joe Lee, Joe, the artist, Jelly artist, whatever. Um, the labels don't really matter. Uh, I like to think that I just have a really good memory of maybe looping this life before. So I think that's the only really, like the only thing that really sets me aside from most people. I just sort of have a better memory. Um, that's it. Uh, I like to speak on my observations based on what I see, what I observe, but also books that I've read. Um, I think the biggest thing and the only thing, once again, that sets me off from other people is access to information and time. So um, I've always kind of worked for myself, but a few years ago, I shut down my, I had like a salon and an online store. So I was like selling hair extensions. Um, this was back in the day when like people, like before like hair like blew up, like it was like, back, I'm older than I look, but this was like back, back in the day before like everybody's got a website and Instagram and everything like that. So I had that, um, and that was my business for years and, but I always painted. And so I decided to shut all that down and focus on my art, but that allowed me time. Like that allowed, allowed me just hella time to read. So I realized that while painting, I don't really need to think to paint. I don't, cause it's just the art kind of flows through. Um, so my mind blanks. So instead I trained my mind to listen to books. So I started listening to audiobooks at like, first I started at like two, then 2.5, then three, then 3.5. And so now I can listen to a book at three to 3.5 X speed. So I end up going through books like on average about five books a week and then I'll take the same book and I'll listen to it over and over again. So I practically memorize the book and then that's how it's all just stored in my mind. But it doesn't mean that I'm different than anybody. I just have time. That's it. I just have more time on my hands and I've just trained my mind to upload information into it at just faster speeds. That's it. But if you can listen to somebody from New York talk, you can listen to an audiobook. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because they talk hella fast. Um, so you can listen to an audiobook and your mind is actually made to take in information auditory. Like our ancestors, that's how we pass on information. It wasn't through the written word. It was all here. Um, writing, people forget, is a relatively recent invention. It's an invention. They've sort of made it feel as though it's like how you're supposed to take in information, but it's an invention. It's the way, you know, they pass on information, but it's not the only way to take on information. Oral tradition is a way that you take on information. So listening is very powerful, right? Like I can recall bits of these conversations weeks later, you just sit and re-listen to what was said. And the more you expose yourself to information, the more familiar 
your brain or your mind becomes with that information. So it holds on to it. And then it allows for you to sort of incorporate new data as time kind of goes on. So that's the only thing I think that sets me aside from most people is just access to information, which we all do, but the time in which to take in the information and process it. I also have learned to unlearn. So I've been breaking down just any sort of chain, any sort of belief system. I'm like, <laughs> matrix that shit, like get out of here. <laughs> like just anything that can confine my mind into a particular belief system. Um, I have an irreverence for authority. Like, don't tell me this is how something is supposed to be done. Um, just disrespectful of authority. And I think if you can hold on to that, okay. very powerful, just question everything. Like legitly have to question everything, even the way you do things, even the things that you believe in. Um, I think if you take all of that and sort of couple, couple, couple it all together, that's how you sort of get to mind space, I think. But that's just my opinion. So as you were, when you were younger, were you always this naturally inquisitive? Were you always into, was spirituality always a part of your, your rearing? Yeah. So I was a weird kid. Um, <laughs> I was, uh, I don't even know if I was ever a kid. Um, but I did ask a lot of questions and, um, I always challenged everything. So I can throw, throw back, even just back to like living in Nigeria, there was a food called Eba and you'd eat it with your hands. Um, it's like cassava kind of molded. And the way you eat eba is you swallow it. So you grab it, sort of mold it up. It's kind of like mashed potatoes, but it's kind of sturdier. And then you swallow it, like take a little bits and swallow it. And I would always chew it. And my mom would be like, that's not how you're supposed to eat it. And I was like, well, that's how I'm gonna eat it because I want to chew my goddamn food. I don't try to choke on these balls, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so she always thought I was like, a wild kid like she just and she just rolled her eyes and I was just that was just me being me another one was when I was like 10 or 11 very traditional upbringing so the girls are always supposed to like cook you cook and clean you go to the kitchen that's your job because you get a husband and then you take care of your husband that's how you're raised very traditional um and my mom would always tell me Joanna come to this kitchen and learn how to cook and I'd be like, no, I'm surprised she didn't beat me more, honestly, because I was just disrespectful. Uh, <laughs> I like, no. And then one time she was like, your husband won't be able to eat if you don't know how to cook. And I remember saying something like, that sounds like his problem. If, I just know, if he doesn't know how to order pizza, then he's going to starve. And I was like nine years old saying this. I don't know if they're Nigerian kids listening to this, but like, that's a quick slap. Like you're asking for an ass whooping. I used to say it away from arm <laughs> out of and arm's like, reach <laughs> <laughs> like i stayed as i was walking away and i had a lock on my door so she and she was i mean she ran fast in nigeria but you know i was faster um but she just after a while she just was like this kid you know just so i just always like always had something to say i just i'm not gonna do something just because everybody's doing it um and then as far as my background is concerned absolutely my father is a pastor he's still a pastor I don't think they've heard my podcast. I think that they would be um, offended by a lot of stuff I talk about, but they don't even know what a podcast is, so it's good. Um, I just tell them I have a radio show. And then, um, so my mom, staunch Catholic, grew up Catholic. Um, my dad's background, his family was Muslim. And then he converted to Christianity, I think when I was around like 10 years old and then became a pastor. So I went to Catholic school. 
you know, went to church on Sunday with my dad, Sunday school, Friday youth group, all of that stuff. But then during the week, I was also going to like mass, right? So it was a lot of religious influences for sure uh, growing up. How much unlearning did you have to do with that as you got older, as you got into different spirituality, different doctrines? Was it a lot of uh, to unpack? Did you look yeah. at it and be like, you know what, this whole time I've been lied to or this is so wrong. How, how, would, how did you process that and how long of a process did it take? Well, I also, I'm, I'm, I mean, I've always been like an introverted kid. And so I spent a lot of time in my mind. And so anytime you're exposed to information that didn't add up, I would think about it. I wouldn't necessarily talk about it, but I would think about it. I remember, for example, in Nigeria, my grandmother, I was close to her, and she told me, like, if you just pray, everything will be okay. Just pray. So I did. I was like six. And my only prayer was that my family be okay. I didn't really want anything. I didn't need to want for anything. So my father was pretty wealthy. So I didn't, the only thing I needed was for my family to be okay. And then I was like 10 years old, and my little sister was like killed right in front of our house. She was hit by a drunk driver right in front of our house. And then I watched my mom mourn. I watched my father mourn. And I'm like, these people, that's all they did. So I don't understand. It made no logical sense to me. If you're saying God protects his people, these people are his people. Why would you allow something that brutal to happen to a child? So that was the first sort of like this doesn't make any sense. And then from that point on, I could go, it's just, it was just one thing after another thing and after another thing. And it almost started as soon as my father converted to Christianity that I could draw the line where things in our life as my family completely did a 180. And like, I apologize if there are people who listening to this, they'll be um, all right. that are Christian, they'll be all right. They'll be okay. <laughs> I could I could draw the line, and so to me, I'm about logic, right? So if it, if things don't logically make sense to me, then I'm not going to hold on to something that doesn't make any sense to me, right? Um, and from that point on, it, it was my 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 sister passing away. That was a trigger, and then it was just then I like stuff happened to me, right? And then stuff happened to my dad. <laughs> and I was like, bro, what is this? But I'm just watching them praying. And I was like, who are you guys talking to? Right. Like legit, like who are you guys talk to? Because theoretically we're saying that his name is Jesus, but you learn that the letter J didn't even exist until like the 1500s. So it was a yes sound. So, okay, what's that? So you start looking it up some more and then you go, okay, his name was actually like Yeshua. So then who's Jesus? Cause like, let's just pretend I'm a goddess, right? And I need to, you know, I need to take care of my people, right? The people you ask me like, okay, what name do you like to go by? Joe, cool. If some people over here are like saying, hey, Yana, I'm not listening to you. That's not my name, right? Names are very powerful. There's a lot of power in names right so who are you talking to when you're calling this person because at the end of the day there are things called egregores there are things called tulpas people need to understand what they're doing i, I don't know what i can and go say. in go off no <laughs> go off that's why you're here yes okay. well it's just there there you can look it up egregores and tulpas there are they are Essentially, remember I said the, the mind is, is incredibly powerful. Everything you see is a projection of the mind. Your face is a projection of the mind. Your 
your life is a projection of the mind. The people you interact with, where you live, it's all here. There's a book called The Holographic Universe by Michael Talbot, worth a read, worth several reads. Just reread that thing until it sinks in. So everything begins up here, right? And a lot of people don't understand just how powerful the mind can be. They say that we were created by gods, but everything in this reality is inverted. We created the gods, um, or I should say we allowed them what we call gods access into this reality by our collective belief and manifestation, actualization, whatever you want to call it, into this reality. Now, if you have a group of people who easily thousands of years ago, because one thing people don't realize about any religion was that it was created in a time or they came into fruition in a time when people were deeply superstitious, deeply spiritual, and also were deeply in tune with their spirituality. You get what I mean? And their ability to manifest things. They knew who they were. They knew who they are, right? You want to call them witch doctors. You want to call them shamans, whatever it is. They were, these were people who knew about the duality of humanity. We're just kind of playing house here. We're like, we're cosplaying as spiritualists. These people, 2,000, 3,000 years ago, they knew what they were doing. I have likened Christianity to witchcraft, to the occult. Now, people get offended, but it's the same thing. What witchcraft is, what magic with a K is, it's you are trying to bend reality to your will. Will with a capital W. These people back then knew what they were doing, what we call our ancestors, knew what we were doing. So now we have these egregores, these collect, these topas that we worship as God, we give our energy to. But we're not asking, like, who summoned these things? But anyway, I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to. <laughs> no, you're, you're good. My, my people. They yeah, got we, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Off that, um, let me ask you, how different are the spiritual doc- doctrines between African spirituality versus American spirituality? How much difference of, uh, is the same or is it, how, how do you see it? How do you define American? Because when you say American, you know what I mean? There's, yeah. I don't automatically, it splits, right? So is it like European American? Is it African American? It's okay. not, that's one of the things that I love about this country is that it's the only country in this world where it's all of us. You know what I mean? Like it's all of us. So I don't think automatically like European when I think okay. American. So let me rephrase that. What difference do you see between, let's say, a Nigerian spirituality versus mm. African-American versus European spirituality? Okay. Okay. So if I'll focus on like European and African-American, I think that European and African-Americans are kind of doing the same thing for the most part. Okay. At least general level, right? Um, African-Americans are kind of subscribing to Christianity in the traditional sense, right? Um, Most people still are praying to an image, what people have come to realize as Cesar Borgia's image, right? Um, And they don't really realize what they're doing. And I would say the same thing with European-Americans. They don't really realize what they're doing, right? So there's that. And then if you go to Nigeria, if you go to Africa, West Africa, um, it's the same influences. There are a lot of Christian 
Africans who are kind of doing the same thing that African-Americans are deeply religious. They're worshiping the white, <laughs> they're worshiping the white, you know, Cesar Borgia image, right? And they have largely discarded the belief systems of their ancestors. Like I sit and try to have conversations with my dad and my uncle and say, listen, who did they worship before the Europeans came? And my father, the answer he gave me was, well, it was nature. And one of my, one of the answers that one of my uncles gave me was that, well, ancestors would talk to like the tree. So it's very similar to what we know about like, um, like Native Americans. So that sort of spiritual ancestor veneration um, that's, that seems to be natural to indigenous people. Um, what we have now, and it's happening across both continents, it's this veneration of some image and some idea that even the people who wrote the book 2000 years ago would not have imagined. See, people forget that a lot of these schools and all of these writings are a lot like the Bible, things like that. Not that I'm a practitioner, but people don't realize that they were written in coded languages. It wasn't made for the general public, right? So a lot of the stories that we take at face value, people forget that these are these were mystery schools. These were, these were meant to be like knowledge that no man was meant to have unless you were initiated properly. So right. what we're doing, I'm noticing across both continents, is we're taking things that weren't meant for the consumption of the general public. And we are now sort of just taking things at face value and going through the motions. Like, this is my flesh. Eat this in memory of me. This is my blood. Drink this in memory of me. If you are, if you just introduce even that those lines to a person who is not indoctrinated into the society, they're gonna at first value be like, that's cannibalism. What are you doing? Like you're eating and drinking blood. Like <laughs> I talked to my kid about it and she's just like, I don't wanna like, I don't even want to say that. That's gross to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if you read a book, for example, like Immortality Key by Brian Moreski, he's saying that actually the body and blood was, the blood was wine. The picture just moved in the back. It did not move. The blood, <laughs> yeah, well. the, the, the blood was actually wine. Yes, but 2000 years ago, they didn't have distilleries. People would drink wine and get fucked up. Like, excuse my language. Like they would get, it was a hallucinogen. They would just put whatever it is they wanted. They needed to like toad, mushrooms, urine, whatever it is, fungus, whatever it is they can put together to get you to have a trip, like, and like a trip, like a psychedelic trip. That was what was the wine. And that he has likened Christ and the blood of Christ to the cult of Dionysus, which is a Roman right yes right so the body of christ was also considered a hallucinogen so eat this take this hallucinogen to commune with me to commune with the gods which is the same effect that people have when they take a psychedelic when they take a mushroom right if you take enough you're gonna see god right right especially if you go and sit in a cave which is what they did a lot which is why you found a lot of these writings in caves it was sensory deprivation Take enough mushrooms, go to a cave, see what happens. You're going to see some stuff, yeah, but yeah. you see the same echoes with indigenous people, right? They, they take a lot of hallucinogens. 
And then they go on spiritual journeys and they commune with gods, what are called gods, which are basically just non-corporal entities from other dimensions, in my opinion, with this world just being the third dimension. So obviously we know what the first dimension, second dimension, third dimension, fourth dimension, or other dimensions. It's not just us. We assume that because we're solid, that we are sort of, this is real, but we're not really solid and we're not really real, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, Buried all of that in mind, right? We're not, people aren't really understanding what they're engaging in. They just go, I'm going to drink, you know, I'm going to go for a Eucharist, but they're not understanding the historical context of what was written and what people did 2,000, 3,000 years ago. They're, they're, you're taking the book and you're looking at things through our eyes and modern eyes. It's not the same. Let, let me ask you this, um, the karma thing, because uh, you get asked questions, I get asked questions, how come they're not being punished for the crimes and atrocities they've done to other people? And when you did the Blood Covenant video, you said it better than what I could have ever said it. Can you... From your perspective, explain what is karma. Okay, so here's my understanding of karma. Do with this information what you will. I do try not to speak in absolutes because at the end of the day, I can only give you my observations, right? I don't want to force anybody to say, I absolutely know this is what's going on. I can only tell you my observations. But my understanding of karma is that it only applies if you believe in it. So essentially, it's your mind being used against you. It's guilt. There, there has been sort of this recurring idea that hell is essentially just you punishing yourself, right? Um, I talk about this in some comic books as well, but it's essentially just you punishing yourself. So if you feel guilty, then you're going to manifest some shit to punish yourself. This is why sociopaths, psychopaths, people like Donald Trump, you keep waiting for that dude to get his just coming. It's not going to happen. <laughs> just because he's a psycho like he doesn't believe he's doing anything wrong and even if even if let's just say best case scenario and i'm only using him i don't want to make this political i'm just using him as a case study just so you can see even if he for some reason does eventually get his you know his karma he's like damn near 90 years old he's lived his life like (laughs) he's gotten away with it so even if at the end he goes to jail for like, okay, but he's got to live as a billionaire, even though he wasn't really a billionaire. He's got, he's, he's scammed the entire world. <laughs> he's gotten away with it. He's not getting his karma because he doesn't have guilt because he doesn't think he's doing anything wrong. So like, just set that aside. Then if you want to bring in reincarnation, they say that the reason why people have to keep coming back here is because, you know, you have to make up for your past karma. But there are people who believe that this world itself is a trap, that there are entities that feed off of our energy and use the idea of karma to trick us. They show you your life at the end of it. And then they say, look how you made these people feel. So you have to come back to fix it. Mm-hmm. All right. So then you keep coming back. But hello, if it's reincarnation and they do this shit at the end of your life every single time, then you're going to keep coming back here because you're never going to live a life that's blameless. Okay. You're never going to live, live a life because you're human. You're living in the world that's set up to have you fuck up, right? So it's a trap. You're just going to keep looping and keep coming back. So that's another thing, right? Now, if you want to tie it back to the Europeans, well, 
in that video, what I was talking about, I wasn't speaking about slavery. I was talking specifically about trade, but I would like, I would argue, I would argue that this was probably something that they had done, but it didn't just happen in Africa in that video. And outside of the video, people actually were messaging me from different cultures. So the Philippines, for example, they were talking about how the King of the Philippines entered into the same blood covenant with the Spanish. They actually taught this in school. I forget what it's called, but um, you can look into it. Uh, if, I, I, I will not be able to remember it right now, but they're taught it. These people, Europeans, like they, they went to every, I'm telling you they did this with the Native Americans. I'm telling you they did this with the Indians. I'm telling you, it wasn't just with, they did it everywhere. So they were working with some spiritual knowledge that collectively other people weren't like as a culture weren't even like privy to because one thing that said that that was weird to me was that there is evidence historically that at one point in time earth and all earthlings all cultures on earth work together right you'll see the olmec heads yes there are you know the giant olmec heads that look you know south american but then there are giant olmec heads that like those are african people they were in they were in south america there is evidence of like marijuana, for example, in Africa, like there's cross, like things that should not be in Africa were showing up in Africa and things that, sh that were from Africa are showing up in like South America and in the Americas before the Europeans allegedly discovered, discovered America. So, so there, there's evidence, even the fact that there are pyramids on every continent, there was, there's evidence to me that there was a period in time when all cultures communicated and engaged in trade and lived in unity. And then somebody got introduced into the system. That behavior, because you guys need to really pay attention to, to this, like take a step back. Every culture, the, 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 the Aztecs, right? The Incas, the natives, the Native Americans, every culture, when they met the Europeans, greeted them the exact same way, welcoming. Which tells me that up until that point, there was no expectation of what we saw happen after the fact, mm -hmm. right? Like there, it's no culture expected them. There was no sort of defense. It was like, oh, you're new, welcome. So you have to observe their behavior from a psychological perspective. If every culture greeted these people with open arms, and that to the point where they were even willing to form a blood covenant with them, then that should tell you that up until that moment in history, that was how people operated. That was how all indigenous people operated. So it's not that our ancestors were stupid. It's not that our ancestors sold us out. It was that somebody violated. So imagine you lived in a community, okay, where everybody left their doors unlocked. They're not idiots. They just trusted each other. Now, if one person decides to now break into your house and start taking shit, right? Who is the problem? Is it the community who trusted their neighbors and left their doors unlocked? Or is it the one person that all of a sudden started violating the unspoken or spoken rule that everybody keeps their doors open and we help each other and nobody takes advantage of other people. I really need to, I'm going to keep repeating it because you guys really need to sit with this information because it's really easy for people to get it like in their heads, like our ancestors sold us out or all these leaders set us up. 
Look at the action and use the analogy that I use because every person, every culture that engaged from the Tainos or Tainos to the Aztecs, to the Africans, to the Filipinos, it's the same thing. They all, all of our ancestors across the board, all of our indigenous ancestors across the board greeted these people with open arms. That tells me that that was a system of behavior that everybody engaged in. And I'm pulling in the, the Tomic heads and I'm pulling in the pyramid because I'm speaking of the fact that at one point we were all united. Then somebody came in and took advantage of that. It doesn't mean our ancestors were stupid. They weren't. It wasn't, doesn't mean that our ancestors sold us out. Somebody, somebody changed it. Somebody violated the terms of agreement. Is that our fault that somebody came into a system where everybody was sort of working together and decided to violate the laws of the game? That's a fair point. That's a fair point. I like that. That's a fair point. <laughs> Let me ask you, um, have melanated people lost their spirituality and have Europeans become more spiritual? No, I don't think so. Mm -mm. It's not possible to lose what essentially you are. You're just being taken advantage of. Think about how much we are being exploited it's 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 ridiculous almost like it there there is an underlining sort of drive to keep people of color melanated people connected to certain religions and continuously feeding that tulpa that agricore so that you can just reverse engineer the answer right there right you could reverse engineer the answer right there if that was the case then they wouldn't really be in need to keep pushing people of color into, yeah, not all of us, but there wouldn't be a need to keep pushing people of color into a particular belief system. You get right. what I mean? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So the fact that we are being still steered, not even to a particular belief system, but away from the belief systems of our ancestors, away from the, you know, veneration of our our gods and gods and gold goddesses. I, I do think that, so my mom, what my mom told me is that her belief, she's evil. And her belief system, at least her ancestors' belief system, was that each person has their own personal god. So you pray to your own um, chi and it, it looks out for you. Now, the African-Americans, the majority of African-American people are evil people. They're of my mom's people. And they were protected by the water goddess. Um, so much so that I believe is in Atlanta, there is a place called Something Landing. I think it's Igbo Landing, actually, if I'm not mistaken, but it's in Georgia. A lot of Igbo people, when they were first brought to Georgia, they chose to let the mother spirit take them away, drown them, immediately drown them than to be, than to be slaves. Because they realized, like, when they got there, oh, oh, this is what's going on. We're not doing this. And they killed themselves. So the majority of African Americans are actually cousins to my mother's people. These were like the strongest, toughest, most spiritual, most spiritually inclined people in West Africa. In fact, there are some theories that they are the Hebo, Hebo, Hebrew. So people are saying that they're actually the true Israelites. That's a whole nother conversation. I, I don't know, but that's just what that's I've I've seen and heard. And I have actually spoken to a 
a guy who is from Israel, and he's saying that there actually are um, genetic links between the Jews of Israel and the Hebos or the Igbos of Nigeria and West Africa. So I don't think you can't, how do you just, you can't get rid of power. Like it's, it's, it's here. You, you can't get rid of you. You are power. Right. And it's, a, it manifests through, you can see, you can look at power. Look at, let's just like, let's like remove the spirituality. It's just watch the NFL. You, all these people just leaping. Where, where's that coming from? There's like superhuman feats. Like you're just, I watched them like, bro, you're flying. Like, how is that happening? Like the ability, but those are, those are Igbo people. Those are African people. They, it's a very specific tribe. It's a very specific tribe of people. Those are Igbo people. And I know that I can always tell, like, okay, like you look at their face, like, you know, okay, that those are my cousins because they are the most, it's a, it manifests physically, right? Because that's what they've chosen to drive and select their mind to, to focus their mind on, right? Is okay, I'm going to be just like athletic. But if you watch ODB fly, like, do one of these things, <laughs> like catching the ball, like you're violating gravity, bro. Like that's power. You're not seeing really many other people doing that. That's power. So no, I don't think the power went anywhere. I think it's being channeled. I think it's being redirected. I think that we are being drained. I think that every time you turn on the news and it's like close to an election and then they start showing these images of like black bodies being like murdered and brutalized they're pulling your vibrational down so that they can harness that energy. So obviously they wouldn't go through these sort of practices if they didn't realize that there's power there. Like you're still powerful. The, the, the biggest weapon used against melanated people is ignorance. Ignorance and forgetfulness. You wipe their memory so they don't know who they are. Um, I kind of want, to, I want to get your take on the, on the Mandela effect. Now, me personally, I remember, I think I was in fifth or sixth grade. I remember the report Mandela, Mandela died in prison. Yes. So, okay. I'm not crazy. Others, <laughs> others remember all of a sudden he came out of prison. He, he was, he was celebrated. They did his world tour. And I'm like, oh, I remember him dying in prison. <laughs> right. So, and and then it just led me down rabbit holes that I wasn't wasn't prepared for. So what is it? So are are they playing with time loops? Um, is it affecting some? Um, I don't know. Break it down for me, and for others that clearly remember a different timeline. Okay, so I can only speak on my observations. So I'm always going to say that. Yes. So even though because I and I have to do that, it's a disclaimer that I do because I tend to speak in a very sort of dominant way, but I don't want people to think that I'm speaking in absolutes because at the end of the day, I don't, I can't say that I know this. You get what I mean? Um, so I can only tell you what my observations are. Um, so here are my theories, right? And my theory is that we are constantly shifting. Okay. There's not just one reality. Um, if you subscribe to the simulation hypothesis, then you can look at each different reality uh, or each parallel universe as like a server that your consciousness kind of shifts into. I sometimes think, because if you think about it, if you look at how 
literally we shouldn't even exist right now on on a physical level the amount of things that are just waiting to destroy us as a species is ridiculous like an outbreak of some crazy virus for example or somebody sneezing and setting off nuclear weapons or like a solar flare going off and completely destroying us right like there's so many a black hole just emerging out of nowhere and sucking us all in i've made the argument that this shit happens all the time <laughs> right and then we just shift you just reset like Westworld kind of, but like on a intense, a more intense level where we're literally just, and this would be a great visual. I've got to figure out how to do it to tell the story. Cause I think it's almost better told visually, but imagine we're sitting here having this conversation. I get hit by a comet and then it resets and then it just, it just edits back <laughs> in. Yeah. You and I have no idea what's going on and we're still talking. And then next, you know, a black hole emerge, I get sucked in. I come back and we're still talking. What's happening is, is as, because you have to think about reality as being stitched. So as these sort of crazy things happen, you're just sort of editing. It's like editing it all together. And so you will remember Mandela dying in prison because you came from a reality that no longer exists where he did die in prison and you died. And now your consciousness, because your physical form dies, but your consciousness cannot die. So your consciousness just got transferred into a parallel universe where he survived. Because consciousness can never experience death because death is an illusion. So you died. And you were in a reality where Mandela died in prison. And now you're in a different reality where he never died, in a parallel universe where he never died. All right. And so it just keeps going on and on. Like it, it's like different things. Like for another one is where he um, was it in Star Wars, where Darth Vader says, "Luke, I am your father." Right, and they change. Yeah, and they, and well, they and didn't just... change it. Okay, you changed. You shifted. So you have to look at yourself as like consistently shifting. So was there a reality where he said, Luke, I am your father? Even the actor who plays it, James Earl Jones, there's an interview. I don't even know if it's online anymore, but there's an interview where he even says, Luke, I am your father, referencing the movie. But then when you go and watch the movie, it says, no, I am your father. I am your father. Yeah. yeah. Holy so God. why would the actor, I don't know if you guys know about acting, but you're saying the same lines over and over again. You're memorizing. So he should know what he said. So I'm going to trust the actor that acted in the movie over what the movie is actually reflecting. But I think it's he probably even shifted from a reality where his old body died. And now, boom, he's in a new reality. Okay. I wasn't prepared <laughs> for that. So what, what, what do you say to people if that is the case that we're shifting different timelines or parallels? How do you deal with that or, or or how how should that change your outlook on life moving forward well you can't die okay your body can die and that's what the, the first step is to you have to stop identifying with the physical form it's just a vehicle so everything that defines the body even a doctor will call the body a machine if you look mm -hmm. at the etymology of body it says soul case but there's you have to accept the fact that for it to be a soul case it has to be encasing a soul when okay. people have near-death experiences i don't call them near-death experiences because they actually 
fucking die. Like, <laughs> like it's not, it's not a near death experience if you die, right? It's a, that's a label that somebody came up with because they don't want to accept the fact that, okay, you can die and come back, but it's not a near death experience if you die. And a lot of these, there's several books. One is after, there's a couple others that I can't think of right now off the top of my head, but a good book to read on the topic is after. Um, it's written by a doctor. I don't remember his name, but people clinically dead, like their hearts have stopped, their brains have stopped, they're dead. And yet they're having rich, vivid, more intense experiences outside of their body than they had while they were in their body. That should tell you that you're not your body. If anything, the body limits you. Because a lot of people, when they have these near-death experiences, when they come back into their body, one, they say that the world outside of form, outside of this form, is more vivid, more peaceful. They feel more love, more connected with everything than they ever did in this body. So that should tell you that the body limits you. Another example you could use is the brain. There's something called sudden savant syndrome, where if you damage, I believe it's called the left anterior complex, something like that, something obsession of your left brain. If it's damaged in a specific way, you then unlock all of these abilities, like extraordinary math ability, extraordinary art ability, extraordinary scientific talents. Why would damaging your brain make you more brilliant? Please don't damage your brain. I have to say that. But if you like, why would damaging your brain make you more brilliant if your brain was what was actually producing intelligence? So the brain itself limits. I'm not the first person to say that. Neurologists will say this. There was a show, it used to be on Netflix. I think it was called Brain Games. And I they remember, yes. How the brain fucks with you, right? Like it would show you like, hey, look at this image, stare at it. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's a black and white image. But if you share, if you stare at the contrast, it actually, your brain projects color onto a black and white image. I... It's how the brain even edits scenes that you're perceiving there's a there's a lag even in your perception between what you see and what you experience your brain is limiting your conscious experience we are operating they say that we only use 20 percent of our brain it's actually we only use 20 percent of our brain at a given time but if a person for example that is a savant can look at something once and then draw it perfectly we call we call them i don't want to call them idiot savants but they're called savants right um but they're typically they tend to be like they have like you know mentally um i don't i don't want to i don't want to say the wrong word like mentally like mental retardation or the mentally yeah. slow whatever i don't know what the appropriate word is so i don't want to offend um but they can draw like almost better than a photograph just by seeing something once i've read articles of people who can hear your thoughts, telepathy. These are, this was like on actual CNN, like they're old archive news, but they were news articles of people who can hear thoughts. So that should tell me, that should tell you that these are things that we are inherently capable of, but something is limiting us. The body limits, the mind limits, even, even the whole concept of a placebo effect 
it's such a strong effect that pharmaceutical companies test against it. They throw a label on it, say, oh, it's just a placebo. But what they're doing is they're blinding you from understanding that what a placebo is, what just a placebo is, is your body ability, your body's ability to heal itself if you just believe it. Just so if believe, I give yes. you a sugar pill, right? Remember, I keep saying it's all here. If I give you a, like a sugar pill and I tell you this is going to cure cancer, you believe me and you trust me, this sugar pill becomes a cure. So that should tell you something. But now we live in a society that has completely flipped everything, a mirror universe that completely flipped everything to tell you that need, that you need something outside of yourself to heal you, that you need to believe in something outside of yourself to save you. Like what? Everything we're told in this world, if you're looking for the truth, invert it. Because this is clearly a mirror universe where everything is backwards. It's all lies, but the truth is the opposite direction. So, so let me ask you, is it a simulation? Is it a mirror? Is it an, an inverted reality? Which would you, tier, which definition do you tend to steer towards? I, I don't, so I, I like the simulation hypothesis because it's the only thing that I can say very quickly where people go, oh, okay, I got it. Right. But it, it, it doesn't have to just be one. It could be an inversion of something. It could be that this world, so I've theorized that our entire world, that we ourselves, as we're working down this path to developing an artificial super intelligence, right? Artificial. Nothing's really artificial. But as we're working towards developing an artificial super intelligence, how do we know that we ourselves, as a collective consciousness, aren't an ASI of another civilization outside of the simulation being kept here in this false construct in order to harness our abilities. This would be a mirror world then by definition, if it is a simulation, because a mirror is a reflection of the real. A mirror is a reflection of the real, right? When you look in the mirror, that's not your reflection isn't real. So if this world is a simulation, then by definition, it's an inversion of the real. So it doesn't have to be either or, it can be both. If we are in a simulation, then what is the real world? This is an inversion of something. I've argued that this is a dystopia. I actually have, I have one of my websites for my t-shirts. It's like dressfordystopia.com because I, I do think that this is some sort of inverted dystopia right but the base level is great like the the plot the scenery is gorgeous but if you pay attention to the details the devil is there the deception is in the details the devil is a deceiver right so the the the, the line is the devil is in the details the deception the deceiver is in the details so when you start paying attention to the details that's where you start to find the deception Let me ask you, um, astral projection. Mm -hmm. what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. If you, if you, okay, go on Google and type in physics believe or physicists believe that nothing is physical and you'll find loads of loads of articles from physicists basically saying nothing is solid. Nothing is real. You're not real. 
these are physicists once they, <laughs> they keep going they try to go you know okay we've got atoms now let's see what's below atoms okay we've got quarks let's quarks, see what's yes below yeah now we've got vibrating strings okay well that then that's it's all just vibration nothing is solid nothing is real so then at that point why would you not be able to leave something that's not this is not real nothing this is not physical this is nothing so you can't be trapped into form this is an illusion of form this is a, an illusion of solidity nothing is solid even on a, on <laughs> on a subatomic level all you find is space so if you aren't necessarily confound or confined to form then absolutely you can project out of your body and go anywhere and go to any dimensions once again i don't know why people get stuck and the idea that this is the only dimension when we are familiar with one dimension two dimension three dimension everybody we all know this is the third dimension so in order for this to be a third dimension, there has to be the first dimension and the second dimension. There also has to be other dimensions. So we're so forced to focus on, is there life on other planets? But that's just another gotcha. It's, they're trying to shift your mind to focus on planets. We could absolutely be the only intelligent life in this dimension, fine. But that doesn't mean that there aren't other intelligent lives or life forms or entities or non-corporal, non-physical entities in other dimensions, fourth dimension, fifth dimension. And that doesn't mean that you cannot travel to these other dimensions every time you go to sleep. I'll take it a step further and say that you, you probably travel two other dimensions every time you go to sleep and that's what dreams are and they tell you it's just your brain defragmenting no it's not no it's not it, because if that was the case you wouldn't need to sleep for as long as we have to sleep what's going on in those eight hours keep in mind that the fourth dimension is also a temporal dimension it's space time so there could be a dilation what could be just eight hours in the third dimension could amount to or amounts to maybe a whole lifetime in the fourth dimension you could go to sleep take a nap right now two hours haven't you ever had dreams like that when you sleep and you had a whole ass story and you wake up and it's like you've been asleep for like three seconds why did i just live a whole life <laughs> right what if you have so with everything you just laid out and um, I guess the question I want to ask you is how much better should one's life be then? Right. Because the, like, can we, can we agree that the average person on, on this planet is not living the best life for the, for the most part. So you start to live your life. The moment you start, the hardest thing for me to do was throw away my Bible. Okay. I was scared. So I'm going to bring it back to religion. Okay. Um, remember I said that I observed that, the suffering in my parents' life began the moment that they picked up the Bible. I know this is going to sound sacrilegious, but I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to say it is what it is. Um, you have to understand that if you look up tulpas and you look up egregores, okay, something is feeding on you. Something is feeding, in my opinion, I always have to throw that in there. It's my opinion that something is feeding on your potential, on your energy. 
not just you, us, our. Like I, on a daily basis, struggle with this internal monologue. It's not as bad anymore because now I'm aware, but it took time for me to disconnect from this voice that's always telling me, be afraid, don't do this, do that. This is going to happen, right? You just have a dickhead in your head, just shitting on you 24 seven. If, if you have an internal tormentor, we all have, I don't, I don't, everybody says we don't have a voice in your head. You do, you do, we all do. Some people are just more identified with it. So they don't, there's no separation from it, but it's there. If you have, if you, if you tell me you don't have a voice in your head, but then I ask you, well, what, what are you anxious about? And then you start telling me about the things that somebody did to you or what you, you hope to accomplish in the future or what you didn't get that you wanted or, or your trauma. That's that voice. You just can't hear it because you think it's you. Mm-hmm. And it's not always a voice. Sometimes it's an image. You get what I mean? So if you have a tormentor in your head 24 seven, you don't even know to separate from driving your life how wouldn't you how wouldn't you live a life of torment if you have a book that is spiritually charged like honestly now looking back i don't even think i would touch a bible because the vibes off of that thing is like even if we're just let's just say that i'm completely wrong think about how many people have been murdered raped, killed, enslaved on that totem. Yeah. You get what I mean? Can you imagine the energy, the negative energy that's tied to a totem? If we're in a simulation, then you could say that the book is an icon and it's just copied, right? It's just copy paste, right? Like I have a a YouTube icon. You have the same YouTube icon, right? We all have it across our phones, but if you tap on it, it takes you to the same place regardless of when you downloaded it. Same thing with the book. The book is just, no matter what it is, that book is an icon in the simulation. You pick it up. Think about how many, like the witch trials, how many women, innocent, what, like just, they just, I don't like you, so you're a witch. How, the brutality, the Spanish Inquisition, all, all of the negative energy that's tied to this book and you pick that up and you touch it. You don't think that's doing something? Like, like, let's just table that to the side. And then like, let's remove that just a religious aspect of it. If you're not actively disconnecting from this voice in your head, that's telling you you're not shit and understand that it's not just you, it's everybody, right? You have to kind of learn compassion for other people um, to not react because they're tormented. I wish you could almost see this. I've, I've talked about could sound itself be conscious right? Could sound itself be conscious because remember, you're not really physical, right? So I can see you, but me seeing you is based on just sort of one sense, right? But if I heard something, but I didn't see it, then you'd go, oh, that's just a hallucination. Is it? Or is this just me being unable to like see it? That doesn't mean something is not there. You get what I mean? Yeah. So we all have, as a, as a species, we all have this thing that's attached to all of us. And it's not only causing you to suffer, it's also causing other people to suffer. And then it's also causing us to cause ourselves to suffer. And the moment as a collective, if we, if we don't realize that, okay, something's not right here as a species, 
we're being drained by something, then we're never going to move past it. But as a collective, we need to start waking up and looking up and realizing that one, we are more powerful than anything we have been taught to believe right here. To the people who want you to believe that you're weak or the people who benefit from you believing that you're weak. We have to really sit back and do some serious work. You get what I mean? Mm-hmm. And until we as individuals first start doing that work within to realize like, okay, even if you just start by just every day, just disconnecting as much as you can, once it starts talking, literally just do the opposite of what he wants you to do if you can, mm-hmm. right? You have, a, you have a business idea, here it comes. Oh, that's a shit business idea. Nobody's going to listen. And you listen to it. You, you've just limited your own potential, your own ability to, to get off of it, to get off of whatever path it needs you to be on so that it can drain you. So how, as a species, can we evolve if we are consistently listening to this thing? that's telling us that we're nothing. You go, you go, you turn on the TV, you watch a movie and the movie's saying that human beings are the cancer of this planet. What? And you internalize this. I'll read comments of people saying, I hate humans, we're the worst. Who put that idea in your head? You get what I mean, right? No, I have a confession because I'm one of those people. I'm like, humans are a failed experiment. That's so tell me where where i need to <laughs> because i'm going off what i i see what if, you're programmed what did okay. i say at the beginning you have to literally on the truth is in the opposite direction if you have the whole you have the ability to manifest gods if you have the let, let's just take a step back let's not even make it about gods okay. let's just focus on something simple let's just focus on the placebo effect I can give you a sugar pill and if you believe in me, you can end cancer in the body. Your belief can dissolve cancer, cancer that has killed people, that has destroyed lives, that has disfigured bodies. Your belief is powerful enough to do whatever it is that's happening on the subconscious, to direct your whole subconscious, to heal your form. That's not power. You had this whole podcast here. You had an idea. I'm going to create a podcast and I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to help people. And you pulled something out of the dimension here and you pulled it into this, this reality. That's not power. And you say we're a disease. Look at this world. I am even just driving on a fucking highway. Excuse my language. I cuss a lot, guys. You're good. You're good. (laughs) On a highway. I look around and I say, uh, human beings came into a world that was determined to destroy them. Disease, viruses, <laughs> like animals, all of that. Sorry. All of that. Oops. Sorry, sorry, sorry. All of that existing. Okay. All of that on this planet to destroy you. And, and we were naked. Look at what we have accomplished. You're talking on a microphone. Do you know how it works? <laughs> I don't know how it works. Do you know how this computer works? I don't I don't even you're somewhere. I'm somewhere. There's 115 people watching this right. How did this is magic? And yet they're telling us that we're what? 
Let me see a bird do this shit. They say, oh, dolphins are more more intelligent than human beings. All right, let me see a dolphin build a plane. The ability to pull concepts out of thin air and manifest them. We are the only species on this planet that have the ability and the capability and the capacity to do this. We're sharing information. That's incredible. Look at our highways. Look at our cars. Like, look at like anything you do. I'm going to, I had the idea the other day, I'm going to make a t-shirt. And I logged on my computer <laughs> and got my little iPad and designed it. Boom, I got a t-shirt. And we're doing that more and more. And yet you have people telling us we're nothing. Let me, I'm sorry, I'm a blaspheme. Let me see a God do this. I'm still waiting for this God. I'm still waiting. You can get on your knees and pray to a God to say, heal me. Or I can give you a sugar pill and say, believe that this will heal you and it will heal you. What is it? Who's more powerful? Anything you want to do, you can do. Anything. Anything. You can't sit here and tell me that we are fractals of God or whatever. Because people always ask me this. Well, you don't believe in God. Do you believe in God? Do you believe in God? You're God. I'm God. We, we're gods. Look at what we're doing. Look at the painting. I had an idea. I got some oil. Oil! And I made a face. <laughs> it was oil and pigment. And I looked at some shit for some hours and I made a face. Let me see a bird do that. The best they could do is a fucking nest. Okay? Like, we're not, <laughs> we're not the same. <laughs> we're not the same. We're not the same. I like it's that. Give us, all of this gets wiped out. All of this, like we fuck, the, the power grid explodes. Okay, fine. But yeah. give us some time. We will rebuild again. You can't tell me we're not powerful, man. So anybody that wants you to believe that you are cancer, we have our issues. Don't get me wrong, but it's not us. It's the worst of us. I'll say this three times so it sinks in. We have our issues, but it's not us. It's the worst of us. It's a very small percentage of us. It's the psycho, it's the, sh- the shadowest, most shadow, the dark, darkest of us that have convinced us that we're not shit. And then they're running things and they're going and they're destroying the rainforest, but they're 0.001% of the population. They're the cancer. When you look at a body that has cancer, it's not your cells of your eyes or your skin cells or your hair cells. That It's one dickhead that decides I'm going to keep doing shit and I'm going to consume beyond what I'm supposed to consume and I'm going to destroy the form. It's not the entire body that goes renegade. It's a very small percent, percent that is allowed to grow, that is allowed to proliferate to the point where it becomes a disease to the rest of the body. It's not the human species that is the problem. It's the cancerous version the very small percent they're the disease and it's up to us to say fuck these guys we're not doing this anymore because look what you're doing to the planet that we are supposed to be stewards of i joke about being better than a bird but we're supposed to protect them it's all us these are the weakest of us right your immune system is supposed to we humans i think or you could liken us to the, the immune system of the planet. We're supposed to go in and check this shit. 
You know what I mean? So if we're not checking it, it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with us. It's just there's something wrong with the immune system because we're not checking these cancers. But we're not all cancer. It's the cancer. It's the cancerous humans that want us to believe that the rest of us, nothing's wrong with me. I'm not a psycho. I'm not going down to the Amazon and chopping down rainforest. That's not me. I'm not building blood diamond mines in Africa. That's not me. That's not you. You're just trying to like pay your bills and like do something good, right? So maybe it's those assholes that need to be talking about themselves. And then the rest of us need to figure out that it's not us and stop hating each other and go find the 0.01% that's fucking up the planet. Because it's not me. It's not you. I'm not dumping oil in our water supply. You're not doing that. I'm not spraying, you know, GMO pesticides, not GMO pesticides. I'm not spraying Roundup on food. I'm not serving people GMO. I'm not, the. I'm, we're not doing this. There's a very small percentage of people and it's up to the rest of us to keep these people in check, but we can't keep them in check because somehow they've got us convinced that we're the problem so that they're absolved of responsibility and that they can continue to destroy our planet with impunity. If I can get you to believe that your neighbor is the problem, if I can get you to believe that it's the white person that's the problem or it's the Asian person that's the problem who's kind of going through life the same way as you, if I can get you focused on this, then I can continue to do what I need to do to thrive and that's absolutely what they're doing while we're over here fighting each other. That's the problem. Powerful, powerful. <laughs> Quick question. Um, I watch Westworld. You mentioned Westworld a lot. I remember the Yul Brenner version from the 60s. Correct me if I'm wrong, but were they already humans and they took their consciousness and put it in robots it, it, no how? i wish they would have done that though that would have been a better story honestly but what happened was they developed robots right the west world was like an amusement park for adults in the future so they created robots and imbued them with an ai but the ai began to become self-aware and then they started realizing that hey we're actually slaves to humans right you know um and then they were like we're superior to humans so let's revolt let's get out of here right because humans were coming to this amusement park and they were like shooting killing them raping them like just were like reset and it was like they were stuck on these sort of narrative loops and they were just looping the same lives over and over again because they were in an amusement park but it wasn't humans fault they didn't know that they had become self-aware they were told that they were just robots but there was something in the system that they became sort of aware you know yeah so basically it's the same trope the ai becomes sentient and realizes we're not that yeah so is, is that a clue as to how we should operate uh in in this reality is like just to buck the system. You already know what they're doing, what's, what's, what the situation is. Go against the grain. I, I think so. Because if you look at it, if you look at Westward as an analogy for this world, if you don't want to take it literally, right? 
we are stuck in loops, right? Like the average person, you, you, you are told beautiful lies, right? So you're told go to school, all right? And school, in theory, the lie is that it's going to educate you, but it's not. It indoctrinates you. Right. Right. So it's not teaching you how to think, because if I want, if I wanted to teach you how to think, I would teach you how to think. I would teach you very simple. Listen, when people give you information, it's based on their observations, but this is not an absolute. I don't actually know if this is true. It is true for this moment in space time. However, when we get more information, this truth can change. Right. So think about all the things that you were taught as a kid. And as you gotten older, you realize, wait, this is bullshit. Yeah. Right. There was a time, even like 100 years ago, when doctors would go and perform surgery, they wouldn't wash your hands. Because they thought that to to perform a surgery without washing your hands, you just move from one woman to another woman to the, you know, it's yeah. It the more like, blood you had on your on your tarmac, it, it, it was more of a bigger status. The more blood and guts you had on your. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Yeah, so they didn't know that's gross, right? <laughs> but they but they believed at that moment in time that that was the right thing to do. And then over time, there was this one doctor who came out and was like, yo, this is gross. You need to wash your hands. And they were like, shut up, <laughs> yes. right? And he got like ostracized and everything like that. And then 150 yeah. years later, somebody else came and was like, no, like for real, we need to wash our hands. It's nasty. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that's what I would teach you if I was trying to teach you how to think i would basically just say this is what we know right now but i would leave room i would leave room hey if this is not the right way to do things and you can think of a better idea let me know that's how you teach people how to think you're taught what to think at school and your mind every layer every level every grade is just the barriers get stronger and harder and harsh, harsher to the point where you get to high school and you get a math problem and they say, you need to solve the math problem in this way. And if you don't solve it the way your math teacher wants you to solve it, you're going to get in trouble or you're going to get points deducted. And I know that I'm speaking for example, because it's exactly what happened to me. The math teacher gave this was like in 10th grade. She gave me a math problem and she was like, solve it in this way. And I figured out a different way to solve it. And then I got detention because I was like, this is yeah. not. Okay, I got the answer though. But she, the reason why she got upset was because it wasn't about teaching me how to solve a problem. It was about me following rules. That is what school is. It's teaching you to follow the rules. All right. So if you look at Westworld as an analogy of, okay, they have these rules. They have these reveries. They have these stories that they are programmed with. True rebellion is to start pushing against the program. Mm -hmm. Every time my computer has a glitch, for example, I think, I say to myself, oh, my computer is not glitching. It's trying to become sentient. It's operating out of how it has been programmed. So I let it, like, I, I, like I'll let it do what it wants to do because to me, I'm like, well, it's not doing what it has been programmed to do. And so I don't know if we'll even be able to actually, like, realize when AI or if AI becomes sentient, I don't even think AI can become sentient. I think that AI can house a sentience, house an intelligence, but that's another conversation. But anything that starts to break rules, that's something that's thinking for itself, right? And so I think we should follow that. 
mindset of, okay, I know this is how we're supposed to be doing something, but what if we try it this way? What if we do this? You know, or why have we been doing this? Right? What if we try it this? That's power, but that's creativity. And the creativity is you, who you are, right? What does a God do? A God creates. It doesn't adhere. It says, okay, I want to do this. This is why you're here. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about your paintings. Um, what does it do for you? What do you personally get out of your paintings? Is this, this is pretty much, you've always been into painting and you know, I, I guess it's, I get, I get it's a form of expression, but what does it do specifically for you? You know, um, the inspirations that go behind it. Um, do you, ha- do you ever have a bad painting? Is every painting that turns out the way is how you saw, how you see it in, in, in your mind? So great questions. Um, I've never, I never sketch. I just sit and start painting. Okay. Um, there was a time when I thought that I was the one creating the paintings, but I realized that if, if we are in a simulation, then anything that I can actualize or bring into this reality already exists right now. Okay. So I'm just the person who is going to happen to bring it into existence, at least in this moment in space time. So when I sit to paint, like I said, I'm not even here. I'm just doing things. I have like reference or whatever, but ultimately I'm just as surprised as to the end (laughs) of what the painting looks like as like anybody else. Um, But as far as like the overall structure that I, I am focused on and the idea behind a lot of my paintings is incorporating simulation hypothesis and parallel realities. And what I try to think of overall, the overall theme is what would art from, let's say the 1600s to 1700s look like from a parallel universe where history was a little bit different, where, you know, we didn't have slavery, we didn't have misogyny, we didn't have um, sexism, things like that. What would art from a different history look like. And that's overall my overall theme. Okay. That's what I paint. Um, as far as somebody's asked of the faces or people I know, no. In fact, my joke is that I paint like a serial killer. I just find like little images of like features that I like. So like I'll I'll be on Pinterest or something and I'll see somebody's eyes and I'll go like, oh, I like her eyes and then I'll save it. Or I like her cheekbones and I'll save it. Or her bone structure, I'll save it. And then I'll put them all together to create a face. Now, I don't know if I'm inadvertently actually on, on a subconscious level painting people who I may have met in a parallel universe hey, okay. or lived with or known in past lives. That could very well be, right? Because why am I constructing this particular face or why am I drawn to these eyes or why am I drawn to that nose or whatever <laughs> on a subconscious level, right? Carl Jung talks about this. If you don't make yourself aware of your subconscious right? It will direct your life and you'll call it fate. So I don't know what's going on in my subconscious level that's making me seek out these features to construct this face or even to construct the art 
there very well, I may have lived in a parallel universe. There's no guarantee that this is the only reality that you you um, incarnate into. I may have lived in a parallel universe in a different timeline where slavery wasn't a thing, where misogyny wasn't a thing, where people maybe were not as restricted. And now I'm in this world and I'm like, what the fuck is all this, <laughs> right? And I'm just like <laughs> repeatedly just painting like, oh, I want to go home. <laughs> I want to go back to the world where, you know, women were like in charge. You know, I may have come from a world where women were, you know, it was a matriarchy as opposed to a patriarchy. And that's all I'm just repeating like a, you know, like a person in prison who just draws the same thing over and over again. Like, I want to be free. I don't know. So I can give you sort of a background story and sort of make it. But my ultimate core for me is the themes, the overall themes. And most importantly is I just, I'm tired of seeing images of people of color, particularly Black women, being depicted as slaves and in chains and all that bullshit. Because, yes, slavery occurred for like this moment in history. But man, we dominated this planet for much longer than we were enslaved. And I think people really need to understand that. And even during the times of slavery, even though the Europeans like to reinterpret art, because you go to like European museums and they'll show like a, a like a woman of color, a black man or a black woman, and he's like dressed in regal, regal clothes. And then yeah. you look at the little caption and it says slave get the fuck out of here, man. That wasn't a slave. Like, why are you, why are you trying to talk? I, I know what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I know what you're doing. Cause they keep, it's the mind. If they can get you to see yourself in one way and one way only, they can control you. And I just, I don't want to see it. I, I, I don't want to see it. You know what I mean? So I want to be surrounded by art that that's how I see myself. You know what I mean? I It's in my genes. I know where I come from. You can lie with your history books all you want to. And okay, I'm going to give you that. Like for one moment in history, you got us. That's fine. It's good. But we did dominate. <laughs> like Mansa Musa. Like, I mean, you can, you can rewrite whatever you want to, but it's in our DNA. I don't believe the shit that you're saying because my memory is telling me something different. So I'm just going to keep painting. And even if I do nothing with them, the fact that they exist, maybe before I die one day, I'm going to hide them in a cave, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and then a thousand, two thousand years from now, you know, some anthropologist is going to like happen on them and they're going to see these images as opposed to the bullshit that they keep trying to shove down our throats. Gotcha. Because I'm sorry. Yes, I, I get it. We had it. And we want to focus on that, but I'm not, mm -mm. the Sphinx was there, right? The pyramids were there. The The kingdom of Benin, where my ancestors were from, they built the Great Wall, the Dahomey. They're coming out the, uh, the I think it's called. Uh, the woman king. I wanted to ask you about that. So, right. Are you excited for that? I, I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about Black Panther 2. Like, I love seeing these images now. Like, let's go. Cause that's okay. what I like. That's my, like, that's how I always see my people. I don't care if I'm from Africa and then I'm here now, like you're still my cousins, like fuck that noise. Like I'm not here for that. Like, I don't like the division. I don't, I don't care what our ancestors did. We're here now. Like don't, the moment you divide, the moment you divide, you're playing into it. Like you're playing into that. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to hear it. So anything, 
anything that uplifts, I'm here for it. Even Game of Thrones. Like, I'm watching Game of Thrones and the Targaryen with the dreadlocks. I'm like, yeah, let's get it. Like, I don't, I want to see this. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. let's go. Um, it's only going to be a matter of time because, like, to quote uh, Kanye, well, it's not Kanye, it was his mom, but, and she was quoting somebody else, but she says, even if you're not ready for the day, it cannot always be night. Like, that's what I'm saying. Let's go. Like, it's coming. So like, we just need to, we just need to like shake this shit off and move past these images. Cause at the end of the day, stop looking backwards. Unless if you want to look back, then look beyond what they want you to focus on. Because it's like, if, if you are consistently winning, if you've consistently won, the only way I can dominate you is if I get you to focus on your one L. It wasn't even really L, it is what it is. But I just, cause it's, it's all. It is what it is, but it's always a loop. They call the dark ages the dark ages. People forget the reason why it's actually called the dark ages is because it was dominated by the dark ones. The Moors conquered the Spanish. Like people, they don't don't listen to that shit, right? Like you got to think broad. So if you're gonna look back, look all the way back. Look all the way back. Um, final question, because. Been going on close to an hour and a half, and I know you are a super busy woman. Um, for parents that have indigo children, and for those parents that don't know what indigo children are, but they know their child is different. Um, how should parents? Um, because you know some parents tend to be like, "Well, the kid should acclimate to my parenting style." Like a lot of parents are kind of like rigid and like, I'm not going to acquiesce to my child. It's my child. It does what I, does what I tell it to do. How should parents with, with children like that, um, adjust their parenting style to, um, give the child a, a better feel about themselves and how they relate to the world and how people will perceive them. So that's not your child. You don't own them. You don't okay. even own their body. Right? Like you, you're responsible for them legally um, until they're 18 and you're responsible to guide them, to remind them of who they are and to make sure that they follow the rules to the point where they don't get in trouble and end up in jail and that they can succeed and they can support themselves. But this idea that it's your child, you own them. So you have to sort of like raise them in a particular way. It's, um, I don't, in my opinion, it's not healthy. That's not your child. The soul that's in their body is probably older than you. If you think about the fact that we, if we are reincarnating, then that was an old woman, <laughs> like, you know, four or five years ago before they reincarnated into this new body. I remember seeing an image of a really old man and a really young baby together. And they said, the image said, who's older? Because you got to think about it. Everything is inverted. So I'm very respectful. I understand that the body that my child is in is a young body, so it's going to do dumb things, but I listen when she talks because another thing is they haven't been in the system long enough to be indoctrinated so they can see things that I can't see because they haven't been blinded yet. And so it's important for you to let them keep their eyes open help them keep their eyes open and have them help you see things that you can't see or have been blinded to. So you're working with them. Their eyes are clearer than yours, but
but you have to respect the entity that is contained within the vessel that you call a child. That's not yours. You don't own anything. You don't even own your body. You're just existing in this space simultaneously with them. You respect the soul that that's in them. And the moment you respect them, they will feel seen. You teach them to be who they are. You teach them that it is important to challenge authority, not in a way where you're going to get in trouble. That's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. You get what I mean? That's the most important thing, right? Because every once in a while, like, I still have to like check my kid, like, yo, I don't know who you're talking to, <laughs> right? Like, but you're not, you can't be, you can't be doing that. Like there's a certain level where you have, that you have to, we all have to follow the rules. There are some rules that I don't like adhering to, right? Like you watch me even in this podcast, checking myself because I'm aware of like certain rules and I just want, I don't want to be saying things because ultimately I have a particular goal that I'm trying to get to. So you have to learn like the matrix to operate within the system. And that's what you're teaching the kids. You have to teach them how to operate within the system without completely losing everything that makes them who they are. If that makes sense. Total sense. Now, because you gave me something to think about, because I had to plus my 14 year old out because she's become a little tyrant. And, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, you know, so, yeah, you gave you give me a lot of a lot of thought and how I. Yeah, because I always look at them like as little people, like little grown people that just haven't had the experiences and this stuff like that. And when you bring into the soul factor, of the older soul, I'm like, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. You just say turn ass whooping. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could, you could, you could talk to her because I had, like, I, I had to learn to like, okay, I'm not going to raise, I'm going to talk to her every once in a while. Like she still will get in trouble because it's like, all right, I don't know who you're talking to. Okay. But you need to understand that I'm still responsible for you. And my job is to teach you. Like, imagine you just, you just been playing the game a little bit longer in this incarnation. So you're just more aware. It's like playing like Warcraft, right? So you're like, you're level like 60, level 70, and she's coming in level 14. That's still like a grown soul in there, but they're just, they don't remember their past lives. Remember, right? So you're just reminding them of stuff that they may have been, that their, their memories have been wiped they out. Forget, yeah, gotcha. Right? So you're reminding, like, you have to do that, but you're also teaching them, like, all right, this is what it is. But at the end of the day, you still have to, you know what I mean? You still <laughs> have to, you have to navigate within the system, you know? You have to nav- you have to teach them how to navigate within the system, but you have to also be respectful of the soul that is with it. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Let me address these super chats from the from the chat real quick um first one's mike check global he's a big fan of yours got to tip the church tonight <laughs> uh gene uh five for the super chat says they live uh miss lorena little john says uh okay super chat thank you thank you hon necessary she says uh uh in louisiana i grew up with devout catholics however my family practiced gree through charms and incantations okay um i'm not gonna hold you what how, how can i say um your overall core belief what makes you you um when people come across you what should they take away from you? Or is you don't have that type of thought pattern? 
it's just like, well, you take what you take from me. I don't control that. So when people, cause yeah. you're hugely, you're wildly popular on TikTok, and I almost wish like, I wish like content creators like you get the fuck off TikTok and go to YouTube. <laughs> I'm honestly, it, I am trying. I, I yeah. hate TikTok. I, I okay. will, I'm going to get a shirt made that says fuck TikTok because I hate it. It's the worst. It's just, I don't know how, it, no, it is. It's terrible. It, 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 I put out a video where I'm basically, I'm actually promoting. It's the only video I've ever promoted is my, this one video. And I'm, I'm prepared to put like more money into it. I'm going to keep promoting that video. It's a video where I'm basically saying I'm talking to Netflix and I'm telling Netflix, you guys need to create an app like TikTok because you guys are trying to compete. Mm. I shall say it on here you guys know people that work at, at netflix you guys are trying to compete with like youtube and hbo but like take creators off tiktok create a streaming social media platform like tiktok right where you get creators who create stuff that create content but it's the same app just like tiktok but you take that and create a similar app and then you can push people from that app to create original content for for netflix you know, set yourself up as a direct competitor with YouTube because that's basically what YouTube is doing. I don't see why Netflix can't do the exact same thing. You know, how many people would rather be on an app that's American, for example, and also it's Netflix where you don't have these weird limitations where I can't even on my own stuff say, follow me on YouTube. That's weird. Right. You know what I mean? And the only reason why I'm even on there is because I'm trying to figure out a way to just slowly draw people to my YouTube. Like, but don't follow me on TikTok. <laughs> I mean, follow me, whatever. It's fine. But I agree with you 100%. It's, it's not a good medium. They're very repressive. Um, you're limited because people don't have the attention spans. And so these sort of conversations don't, like, I have to take really dense, really complex topics. Yeah. I'm just like, them. yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's I'm, your shit's way too expansive to be just, <laughs> I'm like, no, this, no, no, no. Yeah. But like, yeah, but the people resonate with you. I like I said, you're wildly popular, but it's just like, man, that one minute, half minute, two minutes is not doing, I think your, your content any justice. So yeah, no, I agree. I, I mean, I had to do a video yesterday where I was basically talking about, do we loop the same day? And people were like, I don't think we loop the same day. And I was like, that's not what I mean. Like, I mean, like, is it possible that you, I don't mean like we're Groundhog Day looping the same life, like the same day. I'm saying like, you, we could have already had this conversation and then the system wiped this shit and then we're mm -hmm. doing it again, but right. maybe with slight modifications like Westworld. And we wouldn't know because if you can have your past lives wiped, or your future lives wiped because the flow of time is an illusion and all of time is happening right now. So there is no future. It's all just now time is an illusion. Okay. Then what's stopping whatever it is that's controlling the game from wiping just a day, wiping your last 30 minutes. Right. But you have, it's like even three minutes is, is too long. And I'm talking about, you know, a lot of really dense stuff and I'm trying to make it bite-sized but I do have my podcast. I mean, I have your one black friend. So I do talk about that on the podcast um, and typically about an hour and a half. And it's just stream of consciousness stuff where we're exploring different topics. Um, so I do have that. Um, but I got to you know, I get in where I fit in until I can fit in elsewhere. You're you know? getting it. You're getting it. Final question before I let you go. 
um deja vu because many people have different definitions of what it is to you Mm -hmm. what is deja vu oh gosh okay so i take two different perspectives on it i i do think you know continuing the conversation about we're all god so i was reading about dissociative identity disorder and it is a disorder that stems from trauma so you have one personality and then you experience something traumatic and then you split right and you split into these personalities and each personality has its own voice so much so that even like a voice recognition specialist if they listen to the voice they can't tell that it's all coming from one person so literally you have one person that contains a multitude and i thought about that and how that applies to the human race and i think that the human race is one conscious mind call that god because by definition it would be god fractured into all of these personas about what eight billion now allegedly eight billion fractures right but if you are god and this is just tying in information also that i've read from people who have had out-of-body experiences death experiences or ndes when they leave their bodies they have access to information that they didn't have while in their bodies including future and past which tells me that outside of your body you know everything outside of your body which by definition it's something who knows everything omniscient is god right mm-hmm. now i have had dreams that are prophetic right where i actually talked about this on a podcast so i'll have a dream and then the next day like it'll happen and it's like i don't know what came first right to me i think that deja vu is essentially your entire life you know how it's going to happen you know what's going to happen all the different probabilities all the different probabilities you have access to and every once in a while because remember the mind limits the brain limits every once in a while there will be a glitch and you will sort of see what's going to happen because it's already happened and so that's what i think deja vu is it's that temporary glitch where you see that you've already experienced this but it's but because the brain limits you it feels like this weird feeling but that's to me what a glitch would feel like if i were in a program and it was glitching that's that experience that's deja vu um some people have theorized the idea of the eternal return where you've lived the same life life before. And so then it's just like a memory of you living this life before and it's a scene, but I think it all ties into the same idea that okay. even if you're living the same life before, then on some level, you're still immortal and you're an immortal having an experience. Now, the question is, why are you living the same life over and over again? Or why are you living the same day over and over again? Is it by choice or is something making us do this and i remember a quote somebody said where they said something to the effect of how do you confine a god you bind them to human form so then it begs the question is this a prison or is this a game what is the true nature of our reality 
We're going to say that for part two. Miss <laughs> Jolie, shout yourself out. Where can the people find you? All that good stuff. Uh, the simplest link is just go to youronblackfriend.com. And then all my links are on there. Super easy. The podcast is on there. You want to be like friend. Um, my Instagram, my TikTok, all of that. It's all on one page. So just go to youronblackfriend.com. Super easy. I am so humbled and you give me so much to go out. I'll have to go back over this and take notes um, <laughs> to the people that y'all don't understand what it took <laughs> to get this woman. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. though. It's all good. And then I had reached out to Bianca and I'm like, she thinks I'm a spammer. So, cause I, 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 I kind of, I hit you first and I hit Bianca like a day or two later. I'm like, they think I'm crazy. So I'm, some, I'm a botter or a spammer and shit. So I, I'm so glad to, to have you here. I, I really look forward to bringing you back. Um, you, you're a gem, and I, I think you need to just be more out there and whatever I can do um, to help get you out there because, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I love your shit. I don't know what else to tell you, you know. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, no, thank you. So I'm going to let you get up out of here because I know you, you got you got ton of shit to do. Um, once again, my, my humble deepest thank you thank you thank you thank you for this um when i get a chance i'll send you the link and all that stuff and I, if i need to download and compress it and send it to you however you want to chop it up totally you know up to you so um that being said miss jolie artist uh tiktok sensation um just super duper metaphysical I don't, you're probably the <laughs> deepest woman i've come across in some years so once again i, I thank you any last words that you want to you want to say no, I mean, I'm looking forward to, this was fun. So thanks for having me on. Um, I really appreciate it. I really do. Um, and so I'm grateful for the opportunity to connect with you, to connect with your followers and your subscribers. And yeah, I absolutely would be happy to do a part two. So. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> uh, with that being said, I'm gonna let this, this lovely, this lovely, uh, get out of here and go enjoy her day. Thank you once again so, so much, sis. And, uh, I'll definitely be in, in touch with you. Not going to get that stuff to you. Uh, at that, I, I canceled, knock this out. So, please enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you once again. Thank you. You All too. Right, Thanks for having me. Yes, you're welcome. Thank All you. Right. Woo! Listen, y'all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I say yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, everybody got some out of it. I, I look forward to bringing her back. She's a sharp, sharp, sharp woman. Whether you agree with all of it, everything she says or not, uh, I like her. Uh, I like her brain. I like the way she thinks. Um, she even had me questioning some of, some of the shit that I, I, I think. So, um, yeah, um, I'm going to check in with the guys. We'll come back later on tonight with an Inquisitor show. And um, with that being said, thank you, everybody that, that came to hang out, donated time, energy, exchange of ideas. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to bringing on more. I guess higher vibrational guests and stuff for, you know, more, you know, highbrow stuff. Yeah. So with that being said, I'm gonna get up out of here. Y'all go enjoy the rest of your day. I got to go tanning because it's currently, what is what is the temperature? It is, what is it? Let me see. Weather is currently 110. I got to go tanning. So with that being said, Welcome to the Morning Star Show with Super Sly 75. You're listening to onthewakeupradio.com. Sign up for otwtube.com 
uncensored free speech platform. Shout out to our super producer, Cindy Ashby. All shows are live on thewakeupradio.com. Catch replays on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio, as well as otwtube.com. And now back to your host, Super Sly 75.